0: We must. We are recording this on Veterans Day, so we must salute all veterans out there. If you're serving, has served. If a fil- m- family, family member has served. If uh, whatever your link to the military is, we salute you. We yeah. just both salute and we want to start that out. My parents both told me if, that, if we're going to record an episode of the Colton and Joe show today, I must salute our veterans. So I would have done anyway, but that was a good reminder, so thank you, Mom and Dad. Veterans must
1: be saluted always. But we're back Always. with another one. We've got our news, and then we're going to give you our quotation marks midseason um, awards for this season. We're going to do the MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year. But I guess to get us started off, we'll hit you with the news as per usual. So as per um, usual. To start us off here we'll go to browns news here right in a row good pieces if you're a browns fan at least um nick chubb will be or has been activated off of the injury reserve list this- so he will most likely play in week 10 and this will be the first time he's played in i believe six weeks somewhere in that ballpark um obviously he's the best running backs in the nfl um extremely productive workhorse back and while kareem hunt was doing well Filling in for him. Um, I think all Browns fans will be happy to see Nick Chubb come back. And then with that, we have Baker Mayfield, who has been activated off of team list. We reported that he was placed on that last week, but they had their bye week. And, um, you know, there's no, we don't actually if he had it or not. He might have just been in close proximity with someone that did. But um, he's been activated off the list and it will start next week, week 10. So um, it's very likely that you'll be seeing Baker and Nick Chubb on the field again together for the first time in a long time if you're in Browns fans. So. Good news there from Cleveland. Yes, they should be very
0: happy. <laughs> yes, Nick Chubb is obviously a stud, but one of the best runners of the football. Like pure rushers, um, he's no slouch in the, in the receiving game either. So you gotta yes, love that.
1: You do. Um, so we, we we talked about Baker's COVID list. Now we talk about another COVID list that is making headlines: the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, uh, the, the hometown stuff, we have Vance McDonald, who contracted COVID-19. Um, he, he had some symptoms and then tested negative. So they just assumed that he does not have it. And he had the flu because it's flu season. Travels with the team to Dallas and plays in the game versus Dallas. And then it turns out later that he actually did have covid A lot of players from Steelers that were placed on the list, including the two big ones, linebacker Vince Williams and, of course, quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. Um, Neither of those two players have exhibited any symptoms and were just placed on the list because of close proximity with Vance McDonald. Um, They're both eligible to play next Sunday if they're able to test negative however many times they need to, but... um, they are eligible to play. Steelers are expecting them both to play and be available that week, so that's good news there from Pittsburgh. If they're able to play, if not, um, I don't want to have to get this game and watch Mason Rudolph play. Um, I'd rather Josh Dobbs, personally. I know it's not a, a popular opinion among them. Maybe it is at this point after, uh, <clears throat> after having to watch Mason Rudolph play that last drive versus the the Dallas Cowboys in the first half. Um. It was ugly, and uh, we've argued back and forth times about uh, Mason Rudolph. <laughs> you think he can be the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers? I do not, and um, I want to see Josh Dobbs play. I think he's got a more dynamic aspect to him when it comes to his legs, and that's something Mason Rudolph just does not possess. And um, you know they'll probably start Mason Rudolph in their does test positive, but um, I just want them to start Josh Dobbs, however, however unlikely that may be. So,
0: well, that it is very unlikely um, because. Mason Rudolph is, I think he's, he has some more upside, he has some more future upside, uh, and maybe you don't think so, <laughs> but Josh Dobbs, I always thought he was solid, some of his accuracy is, like, I always thought he he's a pretty decent arm, but, like, as far, as far as strength, but accuracy is a different story, uh, so, yeah, J- Josh Dobbs is a very intelligent
1: guy, he's definitely oh not like well, football I IQ, Dobbs
0: is cool. I, th-
1: I think that was cool. I just don't think because uh, has shown the ability to like let a play develop. He just kind of like he's yeah a first read kind of guy. He doesn't. He's not going to a second read, and he just gets the ball out just too quickly. It's like he's not waiting for receivers to get open or leading them properly. But that's yeah, a discussion for a different time. Um, yeah, I don't news, know much about Josh Dawes. <laughs> some COVID news, and we get back to some more injury news um, from the Dallas Cowboys this time, two different ones. So. Back or not backfield, but secondary defensively with injuries and just bad play overall. Well, one of the few bright spots: Trayvon Diggs um, has fractured a bone in his foot and will miss the next four to six weeks. Um, so that's rough there. But as one man goes out, another man comes back, and corner Chadobia Woozy returns from the injury reserve for Dallas. So they're they're missing Trayvon Diggs now, but Shadobia Woozy is now back. Obviously, um, they're bigger name players, but it's not like Dallas. The secondary is going to improve that much with the kind of swap out there from Trayvon Diggs to Treviou Um Neither are Pro collar players of a sort, but Dallas is a team that is in dire need for any sort of um, help in the secondary that they can somehow find. So, um, good for Dallas. The for one piece is bad, one's is good, and, and Trayvon Diggs. It's like he's in a weird spot because it's like a lot of people are like. You either love him or you either like you either think he's really good or he's really <laughs> bad, right? and it's like I think he's good, right yeah. Because it's like I think he's made some really promising plays, but he's also made some really head scratching like bad plays, but I look at it it's like this guy's got bad math. like this guy's having to face very good wide receivers this season, and obviously like his matchups are not good for a rookie corner coming into the league for the first time. <laughs> I, um, I don't think he's a Pro Bowler ring, but I I, I like what I've seen from Diggs. You know, you love him or you hate him. I'm personally a guy that really likes what Trayvon Diggs has done this. Season, but either way, he's out. He's back. Swap for Dallas. Mm-hmm. It's Trayvon
0: Diggs. Yeah, it, I've seen multiple different videos of him uh, on YouTube from different people who like to break down tape and stuff. And his um, as you said, it's very back and forth whether they think he's good or not. Uh, the general yeah. consensus is is that he's he's like has a lot of potential like he's he's showing many flashes right now and his highs are high and
1: his lows are low <laughs> that's where I'm at. very um, good way to play um so now we're going to get into two kind of news that aren't about any specific nfl team but they are just general nfl rules and new things that are coming out here so um here we're gonna have so last this offseason right the nfl expanded the playoffs from six teams per conference to seven teams per conference Joe and I debated that a little bit last, not really a debate, but we, we talked about that a little bit last episode and how we feel about it. Um, the NFL has come out and said now that if any meaningful games in the NFL season get canceled, um, they will expand the playoff field from 14 to 16 teams temporarily just for this season. So they're saying that if if any meaningful games get canceled to the playoffs, I don't think if we get to, like, the last game, and it's, like, New York Jets versus New York Giants or something, like, you know, <laughs> that game gets canceled and whatever. Like, I don't think they're going to do anything. But if meaningful games get canceled, they will expand the playoff team. You know, I wasn't a fan of the 17 playoffs, but if you're going to have it like that, I'm, that's fair. If you're a team like, say, Miami or something, and you're, like, one game out and you need to win this game to make the playoffs, and you don't even get the opportunity to play it. You can't just get shot out of the playoffs. Like, stupid. But I understand mm-hmm. the need for it. But I really yeah. don't want that to be the scenario where we have to watch half of the league in the playoffs. Because that's just excessive. <laughs> so
0: Yeah, definitely. I don't, like. Yeah, I think for this season, it's okay if they had eight. I mean, if uh, they cancel games. They haven't had to cancel any games yet. Hopefully, they won't have to. This is, that's, I know I, mm-hmm. I, I, I DM'd it to you on Instagram. And I said, like, this is a, a plan that I really hope doesn't have to, to be used because that's just going to be really annoying if they have to switch everything around like that. Yeah.
1: And, like, the, the NBA does it where, like, half of the teams in the league make the playoffs. And, you know, it's I love the NBA playoffs, but they go on for, like, two months. Like, it's ridiculous <laughs> the amount of time that they go on. Obviously, it's their, the NFL wouldn't go on for two months because they don't operate on a series. they're They play by games. But still, instead of having, like, a month-long playoff, you have, like, a very long playoff. I, I I don't even know how long you're to make that. It depends on how many games they want to have and what they want to do with bye weeks but that could end up being a very long playoff mm. game. So. It, um, it very well could have. A, it's a scenario that's needed, but a scenario that I hope doesn't come to fruition. And then um the next piece is really interesting, something that they've been talking about for years and years since, you know, the creation of the Rooney Rule with minority head coaches. Um, Teams will now be rewarded two third-round draft picks in different years um, for developing minority head coaches slash GMs. So basically what that means, if I am the Pittsburgh Steelers and I have this this assistant coach that's um, a minority and I'm developing him in our organization and he's making, working his way up to an assistant coach and then he gets hired by another team to be their head coach or their GM, uh, I'm going to get the two third-round picks is this rule that, that has been made. So I, it's in place here to try to, um, I guess, develop minority head coaches and try to get more minority head coaches opportunities, which is something that was what the Rooney Rooney Rule was about. But obviously, while well, the rules that you have to enter, which is I, I there's still only, like, two <laughs> minority head coaches in this league, being yeah. Mike Tomlin and Brian Flores. I don't I'm, not. I'm I a don't, Chargers one, right? Chargers Anthony coach. Lynn. Yeah, you're right. yeah, that's, the, yeah. that's the So... Not a lot, not a lot. And this is this is a really interesting. Area. I'm not. I don't have much of like a real opinion on it. And I think it's temporary. I think if we get to a point where, like you know, the minority head coaches and and the white head coaches are about mixed, then I think they're gonna have to remove this rule. But like, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. I it. This it's is very a rule where I'm kind of screwed either way. When I if I formulate an opinion on this, uh, <laughs> yeah but it's 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 very strange. I did not expect this they've been teams have been proposing this stuff for years, specifically teams that have uh high value minority <laughs> um, <laughs> assistant coaches they 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 want their picks but it, it's interesting
0: yeah, you make a good point uh whatever you say here if you think it's dumb or if you think it's smart, you're kind of gonna get uh some feedback <laughs> let's just say it that way either way um yeah and i don't know, I, th- yeah, I think it's very interesting, and i think for but for teams like the Steelers, we already have a minority head coach, so we don't we don't even have a a real uh, opportunity to get said picks. But
1: yeah, we do because it's not if you sign the minority head coach; it's if it's someone else takes them from you and they give you. I wonder what. if this is gonna
0: become some sort of meta where like a bunch of teams have a bunch of minority offensive coordinators and like defensive back yeah. coaches and stuff trying to catch picks.
1: I hope That's a new strategy. To the game. it doesn't end up like this isn't like a real. opinion. I just hope we don't end up in a scenario where like the best coaches are getting fired from for guys that may not be as qualified for an opportunity to get <laughs> these draft picks. Now, obviously, I don't I'm not saying it's going to happen, but um, it could have a positive effect, surely, but it could also have a very negative effect. And it's all about perspective and what happens. Yeah. There's no telling what it's going to be. But um, we'll see as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um. Two, I guess, two more pieces here. The first one is um, on, the, on the outside, a little bit of doesn't matter that much, but when you dig into it, it, it it's kind of not good. Preston Williams, wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins, um, has been placed on the injury reserve with an ankle injury. Um, he sustained this last week on a touchdown pass from Tua Tagovailoa. He caught it not in the end zone, and diving to the end zone, kind of got his ankle, like, grabbed by a defender, and he was visibly limping on it, and then after the touchdown... Um, one of his teammates went and like jumped on him and <laughs> hurt his ankle even more. It looked like, and he is now on the injury reserve. There's no telling if he's going to be back this. Season. But I talk about, I say on the on the outside, your average NFL fan, Preston, like, oh, okay, whatever, right? But like knowing the Miami Dolphins and where their season is right now, big of and how big of a like comeback they're having throughout the season from what they have been been projected to be, Preston Williams is a very underrated piece of that. He has largely been to a about low as targeted wide receiver. He's been the one catching the touchdown passes here from Tua. And while you don't know who they're gonna replace him with, right? Because obviously Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns both opted out of the season, right? So Miami comes into this with their three wide receivers being Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and like five foot seven who were kick return King Grant. So um they come into this like that. So now it's Devonte Parker and Joaquin Grant, and then someone else. They traded Isaiah Ford away, so it's like I don't really know what the wide receiver group is going to be looking like for at least the next couple of weeks. I'm not sure how long um, this Preston Williams injury is going to last, but um, not necessarily the greatest that you look for if you're if you're Brian Flores and the Dolphins when you're you get this rookie quarterback in here and all of a sudden his favorite targets out the door. So, you know, there's obviously room that that could, you know, flourish and grow the development of Devontae Parker and Tua. And maybe they grow so. some chemistry <laughs> and start getting better. And obviously they have Mike Jasicki there. He's been a really solid tight end for them this year. But um, also the, the, there are positives that could happen as they could happen. So we'll see how it turns out. But hopefully Tua is able to strengthen some of their relationship. Hopefully, Preston Williams is able to come back because he's been a largely underrated wide receiver this season. Um,
0: yeah, I wish that the Vonta Parker was pretty good, but he has not gotten a lot of targets this year overall, even from from Fitz or or Tua here. Um, as I yeah, I drafted him in fantasy football this year, I thought he'd have a good year with with either of these quarterbacks, and neither of them have been very. Uh, they don't like to target this one guy. I like to, they kind of like to spread the ball around. So far through the time of scene, and Dante Parker has he'd consistently put up like six points or so there was one game where he put up like 14 Ooh, um but Parker. he's a, he's a large he's a largely touchdown dependent fantasy wide receiver and yeah. I, I feel like his numbers will probably go up if Tua decides to target him more or if he throws him to other other guys you know I don't know what's going on there and, it, and but that's an interesting situation with a, a lack of receiving there was already lack there to begin with and then a couple more out the door so about Definitely. to adapt
1: <laughs> um, and the last piece we have here just came out today last episode we reported that the falcons had released their former first round pick tack mckinley he has signed with the cincinnati bengals um after the trade away of franchise defensive and carlos dunlap they go and they bring in the youngster to mckinley so now looking like a still pretty solid pass rush um geno atkins dj reader Sam Hubbard and Dak McKinley down there. Um obviously we re- we talked about last week's uh Tack McKinley like leading the league in I believe his pressure percentage, um, at twenty two percent. And though he's not getting he was not getting an amazing amount of snaps in Atlanta. Um, he will definitely see some more snaps in Cincinnati as time goes on. A team that's struggling and is looking to develop some young talent. And they've got some underrated pieces there. Jesse Bates, I believe, is one of the most underrated players in this league. Um So, Tack McKinley signed with the Bengals. I really like it for their pass rush. Like we talk about all the time, he's a character, but he's football players.
0: Yeah. And I think, yeah, a team like the Bengals, they don't have a lot to, uh, they're not looking for a Super Bowl win. So, a little bit of a locker room problem isn't going
1: to exactly destroy everything. I agree with you. So, with that, we are now hopping into our mid-season, quote-unquote, NFL awards. So, I'm... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to defer this one to you here, Joe. Where are we starting? And then you All can right. get us started off with your winner slash the honorable mentions. I don't know how exactly you want to do this, but <laughs> we'll figure this out as we go.
0: So it depends. Do we want to start off hot with our the biggest one, the MVP award? Or do you want to start off slow with Comeback Player of the Year award? Which one?
1: I think I think we start her off hot. I think All right. MVP. I think that's how we do it. Yes.
0: All right. Cool. We have the leader. In quarterback passer rating, Aaron Rodgers winning the MVP.
1: He's already passed
0: Ooh. for two thousand two hundred and fifty-three yards. but
1: It's still he's
0: it's look at this look at this touchdown to interception ratio twenty-four to two and a pass rating yeah. of one hundred seventeen point five. He's having a career year at this point. Well,
1: so Adams is ha- going through the roof. You see my okay, touchdown yeah, yeah, he's, got, he's got one more touchdown. One. <laughs> All right.
0: I don't know. I, I come down. It comes down to me. And when I look at the Packers team, I look at the Chiefs, and I look at, which is obviously the the Seahawks, that are Russell Wilson is the other option here for MVP. Which team would suffer more with the loss of their quarterback? And I think Mahomes, I think another quarterback can step in. We saw it last year. Another quarterback stepped in. They didn't look terrible. Mahomes, Mahomes is much better, and he's not a system quarterback by any means. Now, that's not what I'm trying to go at. But with another quarterback, they can still win. In the Packers, can they win with another quarterback, or with the sea and the Seahawks. Do you think they can win with another quarterback that's largely different? I don't even know who the backup quarterback is for either of these teams. I know the Seahawks um, is Geno Smith, and then the
1: Packers is Jordan Love.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah, Jordan Love. Um, but either way, when I look at those two guys, that's I have them at one and two. Russell Wilson is at two, and Rodgers uh, at one, because look, at it, I feel like the impact on their team, and maybe that's just a weird argument to make here. But you see Russell Wilson,
1: and he, I, I mean, I get what you're He's in fourth place
0: from. with passing yards.
1: He's oh, in fourth I'm place. Saying... With passing yards. So. For me, well, Wilson's in fourth place in passing yards. Aaron Rodgers is in ninth, right? It's like, yeah. Obviously, stats aren't. But when you look at from that argument, what team? If you take this quarterback away, what team must suck. I don't think that if you take Russell Wilson and put some random quarterback in, I oh. think the Seahawks are like they have like maybe that defense is so atrociously bad. That I just don't think that many quarterbacks could go in that situation and lead them to a six and two record like they have to be one of the most feared teams in the league with that offense. Mm-hmm. And um, you know I like Aaron Rodgers. My I'm gonna I, I give him my third place. Russ <laughs> and I give Patty Mahomes number two because Mahomes is quietly having an amazing season. Um, oh Second yeah. in the league in For touchdowns, sure. interceptions, and quarterback rate with an eight and one record. Um, but I'm gonna give my I give my MVP like I'm um, number one in touchdown passes, and number four in yards. Number four in quarterback rating with a six and two record. Um, and then I give Aaron Rodgers a three, he's having an absolutely stellar season. But there have been Aaron Rodgers that just kind of came out flat, right? You saw it on versus the team was that I don't even remember what team it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Buccaneers, no touchdowns and two picks, and just looked awful. And obviously, that's not the thing, you know, I mean, he's gonna have bad weeks. And I think these guys are all, I don't think Russell's running away with this whatsoever, but uh. I'm giving him for now, and then I got, I got Patty Mahomes at two, a hey, Rod at three.
0: All right, I like it. Um, this is to me it was largely just your opinion, and for variety's sake, I didn't want something different. I think this is really toss up between Aaron Rodgers and, and Russell Wilson to me. Although Mahomes is having a great year, he certainly is. Uh, but you, you've come to expect that with him, and he's not yeah. like I think. He, um, then he he just reached. He was like the first quarterback to reach 100 passing touchdowns, and the amount of games that he had, or so. So, yeah, something like that. Obviously, and it's just, yeah. I just, you know, but it's it's largely, um, uh, uh I did, um, um, an opinion type type decision there. But yeah. as is, offensive player of the year here between the two leaders that we we both. Can consensus, I think everyone can consensually say two guys and then there's someone else. It's, that's pretty close. Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara, I think I think I have to give this one to Dalvin Cook. And it, it's really close because for both of these guys, you saw their backup come in and play relatively well with Alexander Madison and Latavius Murray, but their stats are insane. Dalvin Cook leads the league in rushing yards, uh, and then Alvin Kamara leads the league in all-purpose yards. Um, I don't – have Alvin Kamara stats but I know that Alvin Kamara's for 858 yards and Derrick Henry's close behind and then it's Josh Jacobs at 500 yards there's a 300 yard difference between the top two and number three which I find insane but um, and then number three I had Tyreek Hill who leads the league in receiving touchdowns I I think I I wrote that down unless I've missed someone um, he does to so, my knowledge yeah I'm pretty sure uh, he's also, I think, he's like top eight in receiving yards. So Tyreek Hill is is having a great season, but like, these running backs are going insane. And Alvin Kamara, I think Alvin Kamara could easily win this. And I think this is easily just, uh, who do you who do you think is the the winner? And um, I just give it to Dalvin Cook. I'm almost hundred percent certain you chose the other person. Yeah, I chose, um, it's tough I chose-
1: because it yeah I, I'm because Dalvin Cook is maybe my favorite running back in the league it's very close he's definitely top two or three right but I'm gonna give it to Alvin Cook um he leads the league in all-purpose yards eight touchdowns to go with it and a 4.9 yards per carry um but for me what it comes down to is without Michael Thomas that offense was looking one dimension to say the least right like Drew Brees for a couple of weeks, was not able to get him going. Alvin Kamara was still getting that game going excessively well, while also during that spring, top five in the game receiving yards as a running back. So he's having to go out there and run the ball, and then also be the leading receiver on that team. Like that's kind of crazy for me, right? And I think Alvin, or oh, sorry, I think Alvin Kamara is like the only reason that the Saints were still winning games for many of those games without Michael Thomas. And I just see what Alvin Kamara do on a week basis, consistently put up 100 total yards in games and touchdowns left and right. Um, While Dalvin Cook, I think, in the better running back, I won't say running back, but the better rusher from a ground perspective, obviously leading the league in rushes and rushing touchdowns, um, I think Alvin Kamara has been a better overall offensive player when you factor in blocking, receiving and all the other aspects of the game. So I'm going to give that one to Alvin Kamara and then Dalvin Cooker, too. And I'm going to have uh, Russell Wilson, number three, for my offensive player. I of um, don't need to go over his stats and stuff, obviously. I've got the MVP, so he's going to be on my ballot for offensive player of the year. Um, but it was a really, really, really close race between Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara. And as I expressed to Joe, um, coming into this game, or like into the, the episode recording, I was not 100% sure who I wanted to give it to. But I'm going to stick with my guy, Alvin Kamara, here.
0: Yeah, I like it. And um, I kind of wanted to pick Dalvin Cook for some variety and make it have some discussion. And I think it's just, I mean, Dalvin Cook missed a few games, and he's still the leading rusher. Uh, He does puts up a large amount of uh, receiving, I mean, not receiving yards, rushing yards, as well as rushing touchdowns.
1: I mean it's um, had two hundred plus rushing yards in two straight games. I, I can't discount them by eight.
0: Yeah, and I mean the one and two. We're not saying one of them is bad. Um we're just trying to argue which one's better. I don't I can see it really easy, either way, and I definitely um, could agree with yours and it like very easily. But um, next, I'm like, going defensive player of the year. This was really a two headed race between Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett have scary similar stats. Nine both had nine sacks. Aaron Rod I mean Aaron Donald had one more tackle, twenty six to twenty five. Forced fumbles, Miles Garrett had one more, four compared to three. Um it's just really, really close. Aaron Donald
1: had three more tackles for loss. So their their stats were yeah. Insanely similar.
0: So insanely similar and Aaron Donald has had the better stats. Aaron Donald is obviously like a better player overall. Aaron Donald is a one of the top defensive players of all time. So I gave Aaron Donald Defensive Player of the Year, um, and then next, Miles Garrett. And then third place, T.J. Watt, very biased choice there. His numbers aren't – he's six in sacks with seven. And then he doesn't have a re- recorded fumble, forced fumble, or uh, he has a lot of tackles for loss. Um, that stat is not showing up as I'm looking at the stats 14, right now.
1: good for second in the league behind 14. his 14. fellow Steelers. yeah.
0: yeah. So, so obviously, they're all having great years. TJ Watt is a humongous eye test guy where he gets tons of pressure he's has the high I'm pretty sure he he's the highest percentage of pressure in the NFL. He's in the backfield the, the most on like the most percentage of plays, so i that might be outdated, or I'm just not I know about he it the league in pressures
1: but, but like but the highest pressure percentage belongs to tack McKinley
0: okay, never mind then. <laughs> I mean yeah he's not he doesn't get too much playing time so that's fair. Um yeah, as a it's always it going to be some random
1: but, guy that just gets in every once in a while and gets some pressure.
0: Yeah. Either I mean it's really close. TJ Watt there's yeah there's people with higher sack numbers like Troy Hendrickson of the Saints with 7.5 sacks but when you look at the rest of the stats they're like non-existent. Um 18 yeah. t- total tackles, you know, compared yeah. to 26 for TJ Watt. So I don't think there's much I don't think there's like I think that's pretty straightforward. But
1: uh, I'm gonna agree with you on this one. Aaron Donald takes it. Miles Garrett at two. T.J. Watt at three. Asked me two weeks ago, I would Miles Garrett in the award, but um, it's real close, man. Like, like Joe said, Aaron Donald has one more tackle. They're tied in sacks. Aaron Donald has two more tackles for loss, and Miles Garrett has one more forced fumble. So they're extremely close in stats. And it, what it just comes down to is Aaron Donald gets is able to generate more pressure. While having more guys coming, like I feel like Aaron Donald is continuously generating pressure up the middle. For one, it's a lot harder to generate pressure, pressure from a defensive tackle spot than a def- defensive end spot. We all know that. And Aaron Donald is still able to go with double teams flying out. And I'm not saying that Miles Garrett doesn't get double teams because he definitely does, but it's a lot harder to double team Miles Garrett with other studs on that defensive line Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, Larry Ogan, Joby. It's tough. You can't really double Miles Garrett in an entire game without feeling the consequences from every other player on the defensive line. With Aaron Donald, they do not have a dominant defensive line whatsoever. Their secondary guy Dante Fowler is with the Atlanta Falcons, so they don't really have another guy that they have to worry about. They're doubling, tripling Aaron Donald consistently every play, and he's able to create these monster stats. So that's one of the reasons Aaron Donald. And then my third guy is also T.J. Watt. Um, seven sacks are two behind. But he is second in the league in tackles for loss, one of the, the best edge rusher to tackles for loss. Um, and he also has an interception, which the other two don't, and six passes defended, which is by far greater than any of the other two have. Um, And, yeah, he's just the best player on the league, in my opinion. You're always in that position. You're going to always be a candidate for defensive player of the year. And he's no by no means out of the race, obviously. But currently, I'd, I'd kind of give this one a, a two-man race of Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett like we like we've kind of – Alluded to there, but I, uh, yeah, Aaron Donald there, Miles Garrett to two, TJ Watt at three.
0: Yeah, um, I, th- I think this, yeah, I, you, you said it well. T- neither of these guys are out of the race for sure. Um, but right now, yeah, I think right now, Aaron Donald has it. TJ Watt could definitely, like, you see him going runs where he says, like, he says, I'm pretty sure he's, he's, um, no, he doesn't have a sack in every single game, but he's had a sack in almost every single game.
1: Yeah,
0: so it's, it's great to see, great to see. TJ Watt, watching TJ Watt play is a is a thing of magic, and this one's really yes. this one was really hard to find out. This next one, offensive rookie of the year, I think it was pretty much a three man race between Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Justin Jefferson, unless I'm completely forgetting someone, which I wouldn't count on the race. Or we're gonna throw in some offensive linemen, pick at some PFF. Okay. You'll,
1: you'll see who my you'll see who my third is. Okay, I mean,
0: Justin Jefferson is just kind of threw in there. He's been having a great year, but I gave the Offensive Rookie of the Year to Justin Herbert, whose stats are relatively comparable, 2,146 yards compared to 2,272 yards. And Justin Herbert has played in three less games or so. So Justin Herbert has 17 touchdowns compared to five interceptions. Joe Burrow has had 11 touchdowns compared to five interceptions. So a lot more touchdowns there for Justin Herbert. A quarterback rating of 104.7 for Herbert, one oh I mean ninety four point four for Burrow, and Joe Burrow's played good with his with like the players around him. I think Justin Herbert has a lot better surrounding cast. Um, Justin, I just Justin Herbert's stats are a lot better. And then for Justin Jefferson, it's hard to compare receivers and in uh, touched quarterbacks for sure, but he's fifteenth in overall receiving um, rec- receiving yards with six hundred twenty seven average catch you like. Uh, Average yards per catch is 18.4. So three touchdowns, which is a solid number there. Um, So that's a big number there, 18.4 yards per catch. Um, And like I said, it's really hard to compare quarterbacks to to wide receivers. But I think Justin Herbert's turned the Chargers team around essentially because they were not playing well with Tyrod Taylor. And Joe Burrow's played good, like I said, with with what he has. And um, he's had a few really big touchdown weeks, a few really big yardage weeks. And then you know his quarterback rating is still above, like well above average, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, not, as as, not as good as Herbert. And that's what it comes down to for me.
1: Yeah, uh, I like it. Obviously, I'm also between Herbert and Burrow. My third um, offensive rookie of the year player was Clyde edwards Um fourth oh. in the league in rushing oh, yards. Okay. Um, But only two touchdowns, so that kind of held him back. And he he does have a good average yards per carry, 4.7. But it was between the two. I did also give it to Justin Herbert. It was really close. And I feel like, as I've expressed many minutes show, um, I think Joe Burrow will be a better player at the end of it you know whether the stats show it or not i feel like we're gonna put joe burrow football player and i think that's what he is like i think you look at he makes the right plays, he makes smart reads. and while justin herbert is a he's putting up crazy stats when you know he has better stats than joe burrow just test games um i like what i've seen from joe burrow just franchise peace a little bit more and i'm i'm in the camp that says justin herbert will be an amazing player but he needs to get out of anthony lynn's system um, anthony lynn is not a good head coach um But these two are number one in every passing staffer. Obviously, that would be expected with the only keys that are seeing much playing time apart from them Tua and I guess Jake Luton play the game. But, you know, not a crazy amount of guys it. Jalen Hurts gets in for like three snaps every game um, for some reason. But these are the big two here. They're both top 10 passing yards and passing, I guess not, but Joe Burrow is not in top 10 in passing touchdowns. But um, having stellar seasons, and I think when it comes to a rookie, you're not looking for, you know, high-drafted rookies to be like, who's winning more games like you would for MVP, and be like, whose stuff is translating the wins? You look at the stats, and you're like, okay, who do I think is having a better season? So I give it to Justin. It's darn close, as a lot of them have been. Um, and then Clyde Edwards, you know, he's a little bit farther the two. But, you know, when you're top five in rushing yards as a rookie in this league, on one of the most dominant offenses of the past decade, passing-wise. That's really good for him. and uh, A good average yards per carry, which is something you don't see as frequently from rookie running backs maybe as you would like to. So I like what I've seen from all three rookies, but I'm going to give this one to Herbert, just like uh,
0: Yeah, I like it. Very similar. I like the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire pick. I don't really even think about it. He seems like a guy who uh, kind of carries himself as a veteran. Maybe I just didn't <laughs> think of himself as a rookie that much. but Or maybe it's just because I'm... It's Twelve oh seven, maybe that's why. Well, I, I wrote these up beforehand, but I don't know. I don't know. Defensive Rookie of the Year is the next one up. This was a three-man race, in my opinion, once again between Antoine Winfield Jr., Patrick Queen, and Jeremy Chen of the Panthers. There, um, I had Antoine Winfield winning it for the Buccaneers. Fifty-one combined tackles, two sacks, an interception, and a forced fumble, which is a great stat line um, in general as far as like then the rookies um, for the rookies. This definitely would have been a Chase Young if he wouldn't have got injured. And I think that's I think we can all say that safely, that he would have been the favorite at this point for overall and at midseason, if like the season ended right now, I think Chase Young would have won it if he didn't get injured. Um he's a good stats. Patrick Queen is a linebacker, so you're gonna see him get some more um uh, tackles, but yeah. you know, he had, maybe he didn't he only have fifty two tackles. Um, two sacks, two interceptions, and uh two uh, forced fumbles. So Patrick Queen for the Ravens. He was a very pro-ready player. That's what a lot of the scouts that I read about him, that's what they always said. He's a pro-ready player. He's going to come in and play well right away. It was a great pick by the Ravens. Um, and another piece, he's another guy. I think he benefits a lot from having a great defense around him. Um, but the next guy here, Jeremy Chin of the Panthers, he's putting up insane tackle numbers. He's fourteen 14th in the league with 66, but he only has one other stat other than 66 tackles and one interception. So he's not playing great in the other stats there um, where the other guys are. But I have to, Jeremy Chin has been playing great, but I feel like some of the other stats are more important than tackles to me. I feel like tackles are kind of something that any good player gets to an extent. You know, you see that um, a lot of times. I don't know where my reasoning is coming here, but, you know, like, Foyasan Lucon is 17th overall in tackles, and he's not exactly a great player. And, you know, Jeremy Chin has 66 tackles, but he doesn't have a lot of other stats either. So, maybe he's, I don't think he's as good as the other guys, but he's still good to an Just extent.
1: Just disrespecting my boy Foyasan Lucon out here. I'm telling you, if I uh, if there was a most improved player award in the NFL, that's my Foyasan oh, yeah. Alucan being a beast. But this was, like you said, for me, I did not have Jen I did have Chasey on my third spot. Um He's missed some time. He still has three-and-a-half sacks and fumble, though, and been able to create a lot of pressure, stout washing sublime. So I'm still going to – I'm putting Chase in there. I'm obviously injured anymore, but he has missed some time. And I my winner is a prize. My winner is Patrick. Um, I have 52 tackles, two sacks, two forced fumbles, and a pass defended. Obviously, Antoine Winfield is having a stellar season up Upper Bay as well with 51 tackles, two sacks, one forced fumble, an interception, four-pass defended. But I think when you're able to go into an arguably top three defense in the league and immediately become a starter and an impact player and one of the most important players on that defense, that just says so much about your pro readiness and just you as a player, especially in the middle linebacker position. He's coming in and being the green dot guy, getting the defense set, being the guy that's calling out the defensive plays and the leader of that defense as a rookie, you're leading, being the leader of one of the best top three defenses in this league, in Baltimore Ravens. So I'm giving this one to Patrick Queen, and he's steadily having really nice games, especially when it comes to tackles, and he's made some really important force fumbles that have really been game-tied of game-changers, right? So, Antoine Winfield's been a beast. Chase Young, obviously, like you mentioned, I think Chase Young, um, by the end of the season will win it, but and I think, you know, when he gets time to be able to come back, obviously things will will, will probably change in this ranking, as they will for, for a few different rankings here, most likely. But um, in, I have Patrick Queen winning this, Antoine Winfield at number two, and then Chase Young at three. That is, I,
0: that's interesting. You had uh, Chase Young at three, even though he hasn't played much. But um, he was a beast I mean, when he played. Shane's been good, but I, I still like what I've seen of Chase Young a little bit more. Yeah. Up next, comeback player of the year. Someone we are, If you listen to the last episode, you already know who won, in our opinion. Ben Roethlisberger wins it. Comes back after missing essentially all of last year. Comes back, leads his team to 8 no. Put up stellar stats. Um, I think he has five interceptions on the year, Four. which is very good for him. Even very good overall. You know, you love to see that. Um, he, you've seen a lot of the young wide receivers around him grow a lot this year, which... Um, compared to the, the QB carousel of last year that mm-hmm. no Steeler fan really enjoyed. <laughs> um, you see Accurate. a lot of these guys come out and, and play really well. Eric Ebron, who was free agent signing, play well. Big Ben, what a guy. What a guy. We all love yes. Big Ben. And, I mean, his stats have been pretty average, especially for like his type of stats. He usually has tons of passing yards. He's been very... Cautious with the ball. Not a lot of turnovers, as I mentioned. Pretty high pass rating overall. And um, just played like a – carried himself like a veteran. You know, rallied the team around him. And, and yeah, he's the best – he has the best team in football right now. And it's pretty much all because of him because there wasn't a lot of roster changes over the off season, And the only addition is him, essentially. <laughs> you know, that's you love to see that. Yeah. Um, in second place, I have Alex Smith. And he has not played well really whatsoever. But it is – just enough that he he made it onto the field after the gruesome injury. He yeah. fought really hard to rebound. And, you know, the the comeback player of the year with Cam, because Cam started off pretty well. And now uh, in recent weeks, except against the worst defense in the football versus the Jets. Um, mm-hmm. So it was between him and Cam. But then I remembered one last guy who missed a lot of last season. His comeback. According to defensive end power rankings, he's number two. Stefan Tuitt of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who missed a lot of season last year because of the torn pectoral muscle and now is coming back. Is yeah, top top five stats wise, um, and in, in defensive linemen there. Lots of sacks, tackles for loss. He's a force to be reckoned with and yes. he had to come back from an injury, so I threw him in there. Maybe a lot of bias there having two steelers, but
1: I didn't even um, think about him, actually. Uh, that's a really good pick, but you know, have these comeback player of the year award people be, which is why I think Alex Smith will win this award. Personally, by the end of the year, he's going to be Washington's starting quarterback and he'll win it just because he's back. But I also yeah. believe Big Ben does deserve the um, top 20 uh, passing yards, quarterback rating, top 10 in touchdowns, and somebody that historically towards his older age has not been the best of decision makers and throwing a lot of interceptions. Um, is now having one of the best touchdown interception ratio seasons of his career with eighteen to four, like you mentioned. Um and obviously leading an 8-0 football team, something that people were questioning coming into the season, is Ben ready to play football again? Are they still going to be able to win, or is Ben going to hold them back? And he has done the complete opposite of holding them back. He's elevated them to a higher plane and be able to go out and finish some of these closer games that a lot of people didn't think he was going to be able to. So I think Big Ben deserves to win this one. And I personally, um, <clears throat> I don't have Alex Smith on my list. I think, while well, Cam Newton is my third, and I think Cam Newton's been bad, Alex Smith has not been good at all. Like there's not really bright spots of Alex Smith coming back thus far, and obviously that will. I'll probably, I'm sure he'll get back into the group of things as time continues because he's historically been um, one of the more efficient quarterbacks that we've seen in the past over the past decade or so. Um, so he'll make this his way onto my list at some point. But I've got Cam Newton at three, and the thing that holds him back, his touchdown to interception ratio is two touchdowns to seven interception passing. That is awful. But he does have eight rushing touchdowns, which is excessive. The man has eight rushing touchdowns, only like two passing. But it's weird. He's in a role in an offense where he doesn't particularly fit, that they're not necessarily utilizing him to the best of his skill set, and this, that, and whatever else. Like, this isn't a great situation for Cam Newton, but he's not necessarily making the best of it. And the number two spot is surprising. It's a guy I didn't have faith in coming into the season, Rob Gronkowski. Um, 27 receptions for 323 yards and three touchdowns. And in the beginning of the season, um, things were going about exactly what we had said they were going to go. O.J. Howard was in the bulk of the catches. Gronk was kind of a receiving back or back um, blocking tight end. I don't know what receiving back. He was more of a blocking (laughs) tight end, um, and he even admitted to that. But then after the season-ending injury to O.J. Howard, Rob Gronkowski has been getting in a significantly expanded role in that offense as time goes on. He's been him and Mike Evans are really the two red zone threats above even the running backs. Um, cause Michael, or Mike Evans is basically just a second tight end when it comes to frame and build. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, Robert Gassi has been absorbing a lot of red zone targets, right. And he's, you know, he, he's showing it. He's putting up really good stats and real good efficiency. being will being one of profile football focuses, favorite tight ends this season. And, um, I think that'll only get, get better and better, and his stats will only get better and better as time goes on with Tom Brady. And Obviously, you'll start to see the, the chemistry and the connection they have there shine through a little bit more. As the season goes on, he gets more opportunity. But I've got Big Ben at number one, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron, and Newton at number three. I don't think it's close, as I'm sure I don't really think it's close either. Big Ben kind of is running away with it. But obviously, by the end of the they'll throw Alex Smith a bone because it's amazing that he's even able to see the field again. But... Um, Yeah, Big deserves it in in my opinion. So
0: yeah, that's kind of where I put Smith in there. Literally, just because it's such an an amazing feat that he even yeah I got on the field um, and I made a prediction that he would be the starting quarterback and lead the team to five wins. So he's the starting quarterback now, and now we just gotta wait to see if he's gonna get the five wins. And I think that's uh, probably tough. (laughs) Probably not. Our predictions have not turned out great. Every time we go back to look at them, um, especially mine are. I say twenty mm-hmm. percent of them are like still possible, and all the rest of them are pretty much all yeah. <laughs> not even My, possible. And here's a solid. About, um,
1: it's not an official prediction from our predictions, but something that we, I, I, we I've mentioned and, and you have as well that I that is. We'll get into that in just a little bit. You'll see what I'm talking about. But with our Coach of the Year stuff,
0: all right, Coach of the Year at midseason. I don't think it's even close. Tomlin wins it. He is turned teams around at halftime he's coached this team up on a, like especially offensively and like um i think cuz they didn't play well last year i think ben if ben came back from an injury i think it could have been very easily for easy for him to just want to heave the ball deep and and kind of want to be ben mm-hmm. and play to an extent that his body is not ready for and i think tomlin had him get ready um defensively he's one of the best defensive coaches in, in my generation, um, second probably only to Belichick, who's a great all around coach. Um, but he's 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 leading the best team, and I think it's cl- it's clear when Tomlin is just simply out coaches the other team. You see the the double moves, and I mean from from Deontay you know, Johnson. That that's uh, that was a suggestion by Josh Dobbs. He listened to Josh Dobbs. He listens to his players when he sees it when they see something that. Um, obviously has a big impact on the game. And, and Mike Tomlin is, is a very underrated head coach. He has the most wins for African-American head coach ever. He just passed up Tony Dungy, I believe. Um, So yeah. it's, it's, it's great to see there. Up to at number two, I have a very weird one. Looking back at it, do I really even agree with it? I'm not sure. Cliff Kingsbury of the Arizona Cardinals. They've lost some games where they've, like, and that's kind of a sign of, like, where you'd be like, oh, a like, bad coach just... Let the bad team stomp all over them. But mm-hmm. you also you saw Mike you saw the Steelers do that. And I feel like that's a lot of time It's the players. They don't yeah. prepare enough for these bad teams. I think they can go in and stomp all over the lines. And you know, it's a young team, a young quarterback and Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. they'll work those kinks out. You've seen a, a team really be turned overall turned um turned upside down over the offseason roster wise. They moved they got a move for DeAndre Hopkins and um is Cl- is Cl- Clinsbury the- I think he might be the GM and coach combined, but I'm not and even sure. Cool. I know he, he he would control the draft, and he saw his awesome room on the draft day, oh. which <laughs> is very interesting. And up three, I would, cannot decide between these two guys because while I think one is certainly the better coach, the other one is absolutely making his team a lot better. And I have Andy Reid, who just won the Super Bowl. He's the, the coach that is clearly much better than the other one. And then I have John Gruden, who's made a team that honestly i don't think roster wise i don't think the raiders are that good but they played well above their talent level you've seen mm-hmm. Derek carr who is not exactly bad but you but he's played great and um put up massive points and and you know he's had these huge games and you know the defense i think the defense is there's a lot of underrated pieces on the defense but they're playing like a great defense and they should, they they beat the Chiefs for goodness' sake. They were the only team to beat the Chiefs so far, and they made Mahomes just like like just look like any other normal quarterback. They didn't look crazy good like you know he does against literally any other team <laughs> so far this year. And I don't know, that's a weird one. I know we're not gonna have I'm not gonna have three runners up, so you can decide which one to put on there. But I think the Gruden take is one that is interesting. And if I if we were big podcasters and we had a big name and the sports podcasting industry, that would be a, all over Twitter. People saying, call me a wacko and, and a weirdo for having Gruden on there. But, like, you know, normally I'm the first person to hate on John Gruden because I don't think he's that good of a coach. But I think this year, I think he's played hes played great. And he's, like, really instilled a, a culture in, in Las Vegas to an extent, which I always love to see. That's
1: true. So, you're going to hate me. All the Steelers fans are going to hate me. Mike Tomlin is at number two. Um, I strongly believe well I was probably been the best head coach this year like you've mentioned with the way coach of the year is set up and just my winner is as I was talking about a prediction that I made off camera or like not off camera like on camera but not in our official prediction my coach of the year is Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins um when you look that's nothing I we both talked about Brian Flores as a B I really like Brian Flores with the season I said like you know you um he's like the only Belichick offspring that's copying Belichick's formula, right? No other guys do that. You see Matt Patricia you kind of go off and try to do his own thing. Uh, so many other guys. Brian Flores came in. He spent a lot of money on deep, specifically in the cornerback area. He spends a lot of money on corners and a solid linebacker, right? And he relies on running back by commit extent and he doesn't need a bunch of real stars, he, but he just likes his quarterback. And some young underrated offensive line pieces. He's following the Belichick formula. And I love that. And that Dolphins team is outperforming. Say what you want, whatever you predicted for the Dolphins, they're outperforming it, right? Um, and I don't think their team is talented enough to like really be as good as they are right now without amazing coaching by Brian Flores, right? They've got some great underrated defensive pieces like a Christian Wilkins and an Emmanuel Ogba, but um, and Mike Tomlin is an amazing coach. This um, I absolutely love, Mike Tomlin, and. If you're a Steelers fan that has been saying, fire Mike Tomlin the past couple of years, get out of my face, get out of here, Mike Tomlin. I love this man. He's the perfect coach for this team, and I think he's one of the greatest coaches that I've ever watched of this generation, and I think, you know, fully, I believe he deserves to be coach of the year, but I, with the way it's set up and the way that the Miami Dolphins are doing, and I think the Steelers, they're definitely outperforming their expectations, but who is outperforming them more, like? When you say the Steelers <laughs> have beaten all the teams that they've beaten so far, I can look at that in or midseason and say, mm, I don't agree with it. But, you know, it's, eh, I can see it happening. It's, it's, the defense continues to smother. I don't look at the Miami Dolphins and I'm like, they have a winning <laughs> record right now and maybe the Arizona Cardinals and, like, they're going out and performing extremely well without, right, like, switching quarterbacks midseason and this defense is being as smothering as it is. So I give Brian Flores Coach of the Year. and It is real close between Flores and Mike Tomlin for one and two. It, it's kind of interchangeable, but I'm going to give it to Flores. And my number three is a guy you mentioned, um, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, the Cardinals are a team that we both predicted to be really good this season, um, and it, is, it has come to fruition. So they, they're they performing pretty well. They're 5-3 and three this year, which is the same as the Miami Dolphins. So who did we expect to do better, the Cardinals or the Dolphins? The, the Cardinals, obviously, and the Dolphins are doing just as well. So. Brian Flores at one, Mike Tomlin at two, and Cliff Kingsbury at three is surprising as that may.
0: I like it. I think I. Yeah, I, they they don't like to. They don't the people who vote for the coach of the year they always like to vote for the up and coming coach. Like they voted mm-hmm. for um, the Bears' coach well, I Never Nagy remember who, Matt Nagy. But yeah, at Matt the Nagy. time
1: it was really Matt Nagy is a weird scenario, right? Because it's like he was so good, but now everyone is just like hates hey, Matt Nagy, and it's warranted because it's like I, I saw a post I, I perfectly summed it up. And it was like Matt Nagy is amazing, is an amazing coach for instilling a culture, but he's not an amazing coach for anything after that. Like he's not good at calling plays whatsoever. Right. But he's he's great for instilling a culture, bringing in really getting character out of guys and be bought into a system. But he's not very good at calling plays or doing most of the other stuff that comes along with that. So he's kind of a transition period guy. I would like to see him get out of Chicago and then hopefully bring someone else in. Hopefully, bringing a new quarterback is what I want to
0: say. <laughs> yeah. Right, I, so, reading them back, I have an MVP Aaron Rodgers winning Russell Wilson at two, Mahomes at three, Devin Cook winning Offensive Player of the Year with Alvin Kamara and Tyree Kill. Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, and TJ Watt as the runners up. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Justin Herbert winnings, then Burrow and Jefferson. And second and third, Antoine Winfield Jr., winning Defensive Rookie of the Year, followed up by Patrick Queen and Jeremy Chin. Comeback Player of the Year, Ben Roethlisberger, Alex Smith, Stefan Tuitt, and then Coach of the Year, Mike Tomlin, Cliff Kingsbury, and uh, I, yeah, whoever you want to pick there for number Andy three, Reed, Andy so. Reid John Gruden. Put John Gruden because people want to listen to – people will <laughs> see that on Instagram, and they'll want to see why I think John Gruden is – has an opportunity to be coach of the year.
1: <laughs> there you go. I'll put Alpha Gruden on for this. And then blue, my guys, I've got. Yes, I've got Russell Wilson at, at MVP with runners up Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Al- Alvin Kamara, offensive player of the year, runners up Dalvin Cook, Russell Wilson. Um, Aaron Donald, defensive player of the year, runners up Miles Garrett, TJ Watt. Justin Herbert, offensive rookie of the year, runners up Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards, helaire Patrick Queen, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Runners-up Antoine Winfield Jr. and Chase Young. Ben Roethlisberger, comeback Player of the Year. Um, Runners-up Rob Gronkowski, Cam Newton. And then I have Brian Flores, a Coach of the Year, with runners-up Mike Tomlin and Cliff Kingsbury. So we were were a lot less than expected, which I kind of like, right? Like, you know, a lot of the same guys were were talked about in ours, but we definitely – we had our differences, which is good. We had a different um, MVP, different Offensive Player of the Year. We had a different defensive rookie of the year and coach of the year, which is at least a lot more than I can say. I expected us to have different. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, we had a lot. Like, I think our your winner was always at least on my runners up. Um, mm-hmm. Not except for coach of the year. Except, for, oh yeah, Prime Flores, That's true. Was, yeah. uh, but you know, it's 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 all this is a very Colton and show esque awards thing, like where we both have the same runners up but different winners. Like that, we did that before, like with The division, like mine was second, and yours was like yours was first or something. But I definitely didn't think it'd be this different because um, I, I, thought were, I thought there were I thought I knew MVP was going to be different, but I thought defensive player of the year was blocked. I thought I definitely mm-hmm. thought coach of the year was blocked, <laughs> and mm-hmm. two, which was I thought offensive player of the year. I didn't even when I was thinking about this. I didn't even know like because you mentioned to me how a good Alvin Kamara was pre episode. and I had to shove that in there. Um, if I would, the more I think about it, I definitely think Alvin Kamara is more deserving of it because he definitely has more of an impact on the offense because it's there's really no. Like, it's it's really that, then
1: you also think with Dalvin cook, like how bad is that team when Dalvin cooks not on the field? right? Like their win, like their couple of wins they have this season is just Dalvin cook exploding. Yeah. I, you can argue it's, either point extremely effectively, but hmm, definitely
0: MVP is my weakest prediction. though. my argument is definitely the weakest um, because I said that. And then you were like, yeah, but Russell Wilson would be way worse if there was no one put there.
1: <laughs> Essentially, yeah, is like, a bad pick for MVP. Like you, you can definitely say Aaron Rodgers, he's number mid-season, one in the league in quarterback the end of the
0: year, rating. Not, at the end of the year, he's not gonna be the MV, the M V P. But like mid season, I think I'd give it to him just because it's like right now. Like if mm-hmm. the season ended right now, who would they give it to? You know? Yeah. But it's, hey, hard, I, it's no,
1: I see an argument for Aaron Rodgers. Obviously he's number one in the league in quarterback rating with offensive talent that is extremely subpar, right? He's got his Aaron Jones, the great running back, but he's been injured for a while, operating with Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon. He's got Devontae Adams, who's an amazing wide receiver, but um has missed some time due to injury. Apart from Devontae Adams, they had Alan Lazard, who got injured. They had Devin Funchess, who opted out. And their number one receiver, apart from Devontae Adams, currently is Marquez Valdez-Scantlin, who, <laughs> say what you want about MVS, he's always a fantasy wa- waiver-wire target every single but he's not that good. You know, he's a deep threat. He's not amazing. Um, and, we, you know, with the with the targets that Aaron Rodgers has, he's being stellar and leading that team to be so good. But I'm still giving it to Ross.
0: Yeah, I like it. Um, this has been a, a very interesting – there's a lot more debate here than, than much else. Um, definitely, I think there's an argument to be made for Defensive Player of the Year for either Miles Garrett or Aaron Donald at midseason okay. right now. But um, – Definitely, we you always got to mention yeah, just how much attention
1: Aaron Donald gets every
0: single week. Like, yeah,
1: he is, and that's no credit, you know, no discredit to Miles Garrett. He's obviously an amazing player and one of the he a top league defensive league. lineman in this league. But obviously, when you're not getting doubled as much, things are a lot different. So,
0: yeah, and yeah, you see, you know, he's Miles Garrett has been in the league a lot less. He missed a lot of last season because of. Uh, well we don't need to go there (laughs) but you know recency bias is a a term i recently have have discovered and um i think there's the same as true like reverse recency bias because you didn't see miles garrett play out of sight out of mind Mm -hmm. and then he comes back and he's still the same player maybe even better and he kind of forgot about it and you know
1: there's recency bias, which is definitely real for a lot of people. But I tend to think of myself as someone who's the complete opposite. Like, I tend to be biased towards, like, the days of old. Like, I didn't be, like... Like, obviously, I didn't be Jerry Rice play or anything, right? I was not alive at that point, but... um. If we ever get to a scenario one day where there's a receiver that's really challenging Jerry Rice to be the number one wide receiver of all time, I'm just going to be like, yeah, but Jerry Rice is the best because it's Jerry Rice, right? Yeah. It's, it's like I always tend to go with the old pick. You can't – like Patrick Mahomes, it's like he's having one, such a great season the past, like that one year, but I can't bring myself to be like this is the one of the greatest quarterback seasons of all time because it's like really, – what about Joe Montana and like all the like guys of old? Like I can't bring myself to like put them often.
0: It's very it's very tough. I get it. That's something like when you look at Patrick Mahomes, like it's how could can you say Patrick Mahomes is compared to Peyton Manning? You know, I think yeah, I just don't ability wise. You... I feel like they're really close, but then it's also like Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes has been really good for this is his third season being really really good, or you know Peyton Manning that I saw destroy My the Steelers God. and. Over and over and again. You know, you guys it's really it's really early to mark Patrick Mahomes as such a legend like that just yet. Manning's uh, twenty
1: thirteen season is probably the only thing standing in the way of Patrick Mahomes having like possibly the best season of any quarterback of all time. Yeah, when he has 50 touchdowns. Like 5,000 50 touchdowns is quite possibly the greatest season. It's definitely one of the greatest of all time. And if it weren't for Peyton Manning's 2013, um, I think that would probably that'd be, be it. Peyton Manning in 2013 was just yeah. absolutely unstoppable. No one was coming close to touching a good Peyton Manning's in the, that Broncos team. Yeah, that was so, great. That was a good time.
0: 2013 was... Lives- like not, for,
1: not I, for Steelers fans we know we had no no chance of getting out, out of the AFC yeah uh, wait well, there was one year the Steelers won 8 and 8 what year was that uh, well if they went 8 and 8 they knew they didn't have a chance of getting out of the AFC my, my points still valid yeah I, I don't think it was 2013
0: uh, i know i remember cuz the jets were horrible and the steelers played the jets and it was like i was like they're probably going to be on 7 in week 16 and then they lost let me look up.
1: Uh, yeah if they if the if the Steelers would have beat Aaron Aaron Rodgers and the Packers Antonio Brown would have a ring just think about that just think about it sad times it. sad times maybe he will get one this season, and unless the Buccaneers are facing Steelers in the Super Bowl I'm probably gonna just because of Antonio Brown yeah and, and I'm the- telling you right now if the Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl if they're not facing Steelers no, I'm not gonna say but it's gonna be so weird because it's gonna be like the Bucks versus the Chiefs and it's like I love both teams. Like I love that they're so fun to watch. But it's and I like I want Patrick Mahomes' legacy to go as far as it can because I truly believe Patrick Mahomes is on track to be the greatest quarterback of all time. But um, yeah. and you know that's you know I don't know it'll be tough for me to ever be like he is. But I think yeah. on pace right now he will be his first season ever starting, um, wins MVP with one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen of a quarterback, and then a the second season ever wins Super Bowl MVP. And now, going into his third season as you know an MVP candidate once again, leading the you know one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the league. So,
0: so this is a weird, a weird. This is a website. This is a, a Steelers history website. Tracks all of the the records for every season. Um, for one, I had no idea the Steelers in two thousand four went fifteen and one. Yep, they did. Big Ben's, Ben's first season. College. I did. Big Ben's first
1: season. They he um. I believe I know he came in in like week two or something for Tommy Matt. And he it's went and right?
0: he went fourteen and out. He did fourteen and, out, yeah. or 14 and, 13 and out. so. Yeah. that's crazy. He came he in. Really came in he threw
1: an interception on his first ever pass, it, and then they he didn't lose a game. Like he just went nuts. <laughs> yeah, Big Ben
0: the goat. Um, but then you look at Mike Tomlin. So his first year, his first year they lost in the wild card. Next year they won the Super Bowl. And then a year where they went 9 and 7 after they went 12 and 14 won the super bowl the next year they went 9 and 7 then the next year after that they went 12 and 4 again and they lost the super bowl to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers then the next year they went to the playoffs again with the same record and lost in the wild card didn't say what team and then the next year Mike Tomlin went 8-0 to, I mean 8 8-8 eight eight two times in a row which in 2012 and 2013 which I had no clue and then look at this 14-15 16 and 17 they all had incredibly good records all had more than 10 wins and never even made it to the i I was all like old enough i remember all these seasons lost the wild card i first started
1: watching a season i believe it was 2015 where they went 10 and 6 i believe that was 2015 but that was my first season watching
0: i watched i mean i watched it for a really long time but i didn't really know what was going on and i kind of like especially when it comes to like off season and then like i just watched the first either preseason game and i'm like who are all these new guys and how do they get on the team
1: yeah <laughs> I, I didn't even not, like- as a kid i did not like sports i just didn't and then you know obviously as i'm getting older i progress and now sports takes up an excessive portion of my life like probably a lot more than it should but um yeah, i'm definitely ingrained into football and basketball a lot more than i a lot more than i'd like to admit but um yeah, that's when I started watching, and I vividly remember that scene and having – we needed a win, and the Jets get upset by the Bills to make it to the playoffs. Oh, yeah. And the Bills, my men, Tyrod, Shady, Sammy Watkins, Stephon Gilmore, Ronald Darby, my boys, they, they picked it up and got the W versus Ryan Fitzpatrick and their Jets for the Steelers to advance to the playoffs, where they actually went to – they lost in the divisional round, I believe. Yeah. They won the first game versus the Chiefs, yeah. And then they lost to the Broncos, the eventual Super Bowl champions, in the second round because that was the season. Le'Veon Bell tore his ACL and then D'Angelo I mean, Williams came in beasting and then got hurt in the playoffs. And then Fitzgerald Toussaint came in, who was doing okay, and then he eventually got injured as well. So they brought in, like, Todd Son and then he fumbled the game away. <laughs> so Yeah. Bro, That was that, was a, sad that time. was a wacky season. That was a yeah. wacky season. But
0: yeah. I mean, at this point I think the Steelers are making the Steelers are making a deep playoff run this year and I think barring any like complete season like follow what like complete loss of of uh, the season here. I think the Steelers are, are favorites to win the AFC North. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think they're gonna win the AFC North at this point. I think it's 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 fair to say that. But it just means then what seed are we going to be? Are we going to be one or are we going to be two? So if we lose to the, to the Ravens, which I, uh, I said, the Seals are going to split games with the Ravens. I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to beat the Ravens twice unless yeah. like, I mean, maybe, maybe because Lamar cannot play against good defenses. Like he cannot pass against good defenses. That is. Um, yeah. And we were able to win before. So maybe we can, but it's just, it's hard to tell. It's really hard to predict games versus the Ravens. Cause they always go, they can, you know, they're always so unpredictable. Um, Yeah, like,
1: no matter what, there could be a team that's so obviously better. Like, even in the case of last year, the Ravens were so obviously a better team than the Steelers, but the Steelers were this close from beating them the first time. Fully healthy Lamar Jackson. The Steelers should have won that game, but obviously they were not able to, so big what if. But any game with the Steelers versus the Ravens is a toss-up. It could go either way, and that's why I'm not betting on a Steelers versus, like, If I was a betting man, I'm not putting my Steelers to win versus the Bengals because this is a rivalry game. Rivalry games, anything can happen. I'm telling you what.
0: I'm definitely not betting on the Steelers game this week when we still don't know if Ben's going to play, Vince Williams is going to play, Vince probably won't play. You know, well, he won't play because he has COVID, but um, definitely not this week. But I think with Mason Rudolph or or Dobbs, can the Steelers beat the – angles and that's hard to tell if it's (laughs) very hard to tell it depends if i don't think it depends if mason rudolph is poised at all because that's the thing i think it can develop over time with with ben teaching rudolph and mason rudolph how to chill out a little bit but like at this point in his career every time he gets in the game and he takes a snap he looks so scared like Mm -hmm. i love my, my man mason rudolph but if big ben retired like just randomly like in the middle of a game and Mason Rudolph had to come in and finish up the season, I don't think the Steelers are doing too good because yeah. Mason, Mason Rudolph I mean, ceiling is like Josh Dobbs. I'm not like Josh Dobbs, like Jared Goff. Like <laughs> saw the guy okay. Not Josh Dobbs. Like, yeah, like Jared Goff. I think I can see that. Someone who when coached up well and can play really good and can win you a lot of games, and mm-hmm. especially when there's a lot of problems. But you see Jared Goff this year, like like last year, without the talent around him, he didn't play very well. And this year, he has played well. So I do like. I'm not really yeah. sure what's up. Wait,
1: we, we've given our opinions I, on this many times, but I personally see Mason Rudolph's floor or his ceiling as like a pretty good backup quarterback. Like, yeah, you don't have much I faith think, in it. I think the ceiling of Mason Rudolph is kind of what we consider like chase daniel like i'm not saying he will be what chase daniel is but i'm saying he will be like a guy that like if you have jane as your backup you're confident in your backup Like that's you're confident that you have a backup that's but uh, that can be a solid play or like you know i don't even know you who know, else to compare that to like what's another team that has a backup that we're like okay he can win you games if he's in right like we we look at him like okay if i have to throw this guy in the like jacoby Brissett, or yeah yeah definitely like you Jacoby if Brissett, I have to throw the, i he's not a good starting quarterback, but if I've got to throw him in them, you know I'm sure he can win me a game versus an easy team or so right
0: yeah so, so just how big of an arm does Jacoby Brissett have because i've I've seen this mm-hmm. multiple times where it's at that let's say like at the end of the half or it's at the end of the game, and it was with both Philip Rivers this week versus the Ravens at the half, and then he was when he was back up for Andrew luck, they did this at like the end of the game when the, it was like they just did a Hail Mary and they both put in Jacoby set for the Hail Mary. Like, does he really have that much of a strong arm compared to Philip know. Rivers or
1: Andrew like, Luck? I, I know what you're talking they about. They always do that. And I don't know if they put him in because, you know, he has the threat of mobility and he can actually run the ball, which is something that obviously Philip Rivers could never do, and Andrew Luck wasn't that great at it. Or if maybe they don't want, like, <laughs> Philip Rivers or and Andrew Luck to, like, I don't know, Pop, popping their shoulder out or something, throwing the ball as hard as they can. I, I don't even scenario as to why they bring in Jacoby Brissett from the Hail Marys, but it beats me. Because I mean, he definitely does not have the arm of Philip Rivers as you walk. So his God, arm isn't, God. like, awful. He's not known for being a strong-armed guy. I feel like it's just, like, something random like that. Risk
0: injuries or something. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I remember when I watched it with Andrew Luck, the commentator mentioned that it was, like, the first game back from Andrew Luck's injury, and maybe they didn't want to like they didn't think he was like at this point in his his rehabilitation that he was like ready to throw a ball that far, but like yeah. Philip Rivers, like you've seen Philip Rivers can throw a ball really really far.
1: mean <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> they to, just don't know? want to sacrifice an interception on Philip Rivers uh, stat line. I don't know. they don't care about Jacoby Brissett I mean, because he doesn't play, but who knows?
0: I don't know. Jacoby Brissett is getting paid. Like Jacoby Brissett is in a weird situation in his, in his career too, where yeah. like do you want to try and go somewhere and start because I think he could start for. A variety of different teams that have a, a quarterback need. Um, but I mean, he started
1: all of last year barring injury
0: and like he didn't play bad before his injury. Um, but after his injury, he played really bad, yeah. And that's why they running Phillip Rivers, obviously. But he's like, if you, I don't, I'm not keeping Phillip Rivers on the team, I'm not keeping Phillip Rivers or Jacoby Brissett on the team, like, I'm not keeping both of them on the team if I'm the colts because that's it's i think it's like almost 50 percent of that cap space is consumed in one position it, like mm-hmm. a lot i don't know the why colts in the
1: colts next year because it's like they're not really going to be in a position to snag like a good rookie quarterback right so it's like do you just ride the philip rivers train out for as long as you can because that's probably what you're going to get the most winning out of but like really how much does philip rivers have left like, we don't really know they're not the I don't know their team was built like very fundamentally
0: well. well they had like a really they had a good team and they still had a ton of cap left. But like I think at this point you need to try and get like Andrew Luck to come out of retirement because huh. <laughs> he's not. I don't think Andrew Luck is going to do that. But that'd like, be nice because it's going to cost too much money right now for them to buy to get a top quarterback in free agency and they definitely have to cut both of their quarterbacks. Like if we're going to be honest, and then
1: yeah,
0: just keep Jacob I mean, Sneed as the, the backup. Idea
1: get who Jacob they have Jacob Eason who they drafted as the backup oh, he yeah. was like a top five or so quarterback coming I think I had him because I had Jalen Hurts above him but a lot of people had him at five. Oh yeah I remember I didn't even know he was drafted there maybe he's yeah, the he future uh, probably not but <laughs> that was something that we that would be a good thing because I made my um what's it mock draft last year because just you know, I was I'm not very hated. I don't I don't watch college football and I don't keep up with stuff that much. But when it comes to draft time, um, I'll listen to like, you know, Adam Rank podcasts and stuff where they'll do their mock drafts and give their reasonings of it. And I enjoy that. And, you know, see and the draft. I like we watch the draft. You know, Joe watches it. I know it's fun. But like really, as a fan of a Steelers, I watch the draft, and I'm like, okay, I know like these five prospects that the Steelers are going to draft one of them, right? So it's like, yeah, that's what I know, and then I know like the top five guys. But then like all the middle ground is like really boring on average to watch. It's just like, yeah. oh my gosh, because obviously Steelers usually have a pretty, pretty decent. Pick back in the standings at the 25 range somewhere in there so it's like everywhere from like pick seven five is like boring understand it. and it's a lot more just having the very knowledge that i have and that i had about the nfo draft last year it was really fun to like actually know what's going on and look at my mock draft and like see what i got right i got i believe it was 10 right i got the first pick burrow was right obviously joe burrow chase young jeff okuda um Tua, justin herbert was right I got Mackay Becton right. Um, Austin Jackson to the Dolphins. Jordan Love to the Packers. Huh, Love, like, that was a wacky. That like, was a wacky pick, but I did get. So, it. I got Patrick Queen to, the, to the, the. And hold on, I don't know if I still have, it, but there was one more that I got right. I don't even know if I have it, but I do. The last one I got right was Jerry Judy. G- oh yeah. Yeah, but okay. I thought he's going to be the first wide receiver off the board, uh, and I was so mistaken. C, wait, was C.D. Lamb? No, C.D. Lamb was not. Uh... It was Henry Ruggs. Henry okay, Ruggs yeah. got taken uh, by the uh, Raiders, uh, right. 11th overall, I believe, and then Jerry Judy was 15th, so. I'm always
0: hypothetically tripping this time of the night.
1: Well, I mean, it's about 1 a.m. right now, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Colton and Joe shows up grinding out these episodes for you guys. Um Anyways. So, check out Instagram around sometime tomorrow. Uh check around six o'clock is probably Colton usually gets them out before that time. And uh, yeah, you can comment around somewhere in that ballpark. All right. Yeah. Well then, and then you guys can, can go on there and give your opinion, who you think is should have won. Um, so
1: yes, judging by what you think uh, the players are. You can call one of us stupid. Cause we got a lot uh, of yeah. different takes here. So do it. You do. I double dog dare you.
0: So this has been a solid, solid episode. Um, an hour and a half yes. long. It was definitely a lot of fun debating our things there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I enjoyed this one. Off the I start off the episode, so that's your job to finish mm-hmm.
1: it. I, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, we should be back with you on Friday giving you our game predictions for all of the Week 10 games coming up. And you know what it is from us here at the Colton and Joe show to end it off. We are. Peace. Mr. Renouf is the future. No way. <laughs>